Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. I am your host, Jose Palomino, CEO, founder of ValueProp. And today's guest is Daniela Ganas. And Daniela works with entrepreneurs and owners looking to get to the next level. And we're going to talk about the need for a practical vision and practical implementation steps to move you, the owner, out of being the hub of every wheel in your company to being the leader of an organization. And that organization could be not just a big staff, but could be all the resources available in the world today to help you focus on what you do best, have other people focus on what they do best, and to do this in a practical way that can give you traction for next level growth. So join me as we welcome Daniela to our show right now. Welcome, Daniela, to Business Growth on Purpose. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so, Daniela, uh, just uh, for our audience, if you could just tell us a little bit about what you do and who you do it for. Okay, so I'm Daniela Genus. I'm founder of Be The Boss International. And essentially, I work with ambitious entrepreneurs, founders, business owners who run service businesses, who are seeking growth, who want to make more money, but spend less time doing so. And I do that through providing a range of products, packages and support services, which combine coaching, consultancy, mentoring, training. We also have an e-learning platform where people can go through what I call the visa visa framework, which I've developed, a visa growth framework in their own pace to learn how they can grow and scale their businesses without their business being heavily reliant on them. We also have a range of digital and physical products, and we'll soon be launching the business growth marketplace. And essentially, I run all of that, as well as providing one-to-one support through some of my coaching and consultancy packages. Wow. So that means you've done a lot of coaching, right, with the people in that category, people who want to grow. And and I love how you put it, uh, that they don't want the owner doesn't want to be the center of the universe anymore, because Mm -hmm. that's exhausting. Yeah. And some people do want to be the center of their business that, universe, but I don't want to work with those. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious. Let's go to that for a moment, because I, I find this even with larger industrial companies where you think they have a staff and so on, but they still have that center of the universe dynamic. And I observe it when I see that no one in the team, no one in the organization can make a significant decision without running it by the boss. Mm-hmm. So and then the boss usually often complains about ah oh, this place everybody you know is coming to and, and you know and it's of course it's a it's a pathological thing that they've installed unknowingly right so my question mm-hmm. to you daniela is first awareness is power right so like how self-aware do you find owners entrepreneurs the people you work with that they are often the problem as to why they are tied and tethered to every aspect of their business I'd say probably about 99.9% of the time. <laughs> it's such a, it's so weird because I speak to people all the time and they also recognize it. And, and it always amuses me because if people externally can recognize it, why can't the founders, the owners recognize it themselves? And as you said, they will complain without me, everything is going to fall down. They, the, the staff are not performing properly. They have to ask me everything. But then when you ask, well, why haven't you put the systems in place to enable them? Oh, I can't because I can't trust them. They wouldn't do as a good a job as I, as I can. And actually I need my business 
to to kind of come through me because I will make the best decisions and I will do things in the best way. So actually, a lot of the time, the reason that business owners are in that position is because they've put themselves in the position. And whilst they'll say that they don't want to be in the position, I feel like somewhere deep down, it's usually one of two things. They're too fearful. They're very fearful of letting go and putting their trust in other individuals and in systems. Or the other side, they literally just don't know how to do or be better. So they just keep doing the same thing and and moaning and stressing about it. And then there's those that want to do something about it who come to people like me to help them. And there's there's those that don't who actually are quite proud of the fact that the business needs them to operate. It's kind of their identity, their sense of purpose that their business has to be reliant on them. Well, so so uh, I guess my question would be when you have that those kind of candid conversations, which I'm sure you do, you know, as part of a coaching relationship. Okay, let's talk the truth and, and you get down to brass tacks and and it is that. Um, do you find that uh, the behaviors that led them to that place are so hardwired that it's really painful to shift? Or do you find that people have a sense of relief when you say, listen, if you just put in place these three simple systems, I don't know what it might be, three systems, five systems, 10 checklists, whatever, all of a sudden you'll get back your Wednesday, you'll get back your Monday and so on. Do they find a sense of relief on that? Or are they like incredulous? Like, mm, I don't think it's going to work. We've tried that. That's not going to work for us. <laughs> Again, different people fit into different boxes. And usually there are those two types of people, the, the half, and actually I had a meeting with one yesterday. So half of the people will be, they will see, kind of just a basic introduction into what I can help them do in terms of getting their time back. And before we've even deep dived properly in, they can see the difference it's going to make. You can hear them sigh of, give the sigh of relief, like, finally, I'm going to get my time back. I'm going to be able to delegate. I'm going to be able to outsource. I can automate these things. And those people, they're the ones that light me up because they fully invest in the process. And I know Mm. at the end of the process, they are going to implement. Then there's the ones that you kind of just mentioned who uh, we've tried that. It's not going to work. The staff are not going to be able to do it. They're going to do it wrong. I've tried this before and it didn't work out. And with those people, what I find is it's very strange. They will invest in the process. So I have a a consultancy package that I use that's purely around uh, implementing those systems and, and kind of improving process efficiency, et cetera. And people will invest in it and they'll say that that's what they want. And I will do follow up afterwards and they've implemented nothing. So they've spent the money and they and they've argued back and forth with me about it and about why it's not going to work and yada, yada, yada. And then don't implement. And I, I don't understand why they wouldn't implement, particularly as they've they've paid for it. But actually, it's because some people need that. Is again, as I said before, it's about their identity. So they're not going to be willing to implement it because they can see if they implement it, it's going mm-hmm. to give them time back. And if they've got time back, what are they going to do now? Because if they're not running around doing 15,000 of thousand things, they lose their identity. So for some, it's much more difficult to kind of let go of the reins and allow their business to flourish and grow without them having to be the be all and end all. And the, the interesting thing is, and I've said this to, to somebody who didn't implement a few months ago, If you just would let go a little bit, it doesn't mean you have to do nothing. Like Mm -hmm. me personally, I I want to delegate as much as I can so I can do nothing and I can go to the beach and sip cocktails. That's my dream in life. And I know many other people that are like that. But I also know that there's people that really just want to work all the time. Right. And that's fine. Then explore other avenues. Mm -hmm. 
you can do more strategy you can build more partnerships and relationships you don't have to be doing operational things all the time but actually some people really thrive on doing operational activity some people strive on high levels of stress it's not conducive it's not good for your health but your physical or your mental health but some people just cannot do any better unfortunately wow well you know it's interesting like so much of of business I think one of the things that's fascinated me and in, in, you know, I've been in business a long time, I've been in my business now close to 17 years, um, is the head game, right? Like there's this inner battle that's the first line. And, you know, one thing, and I had a coach teach me this and, and I've used it with clients, which is I can't want it more than you do. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you come as the external, you know, they, they want, okay, we're bringing in this specialist and the specialist is supposed to fix things. And I said to the owner, very clear. I can't want this result more than you do. So you're going to have to put the work in. And if you can't, it's not going to work, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, I can't do it for you. I can't want it more than you do uh, and so on. So I, I really resonate with what you're saying. And I, and I think the applicability of what you're saying is across all sizes of business. But I know you mm-hmm. focus often in helping service companies transition from, let's say, that six-figure size to seven figures. And I think there's a lot to be learned there for any size company. So I guess I want to focus on that from a, from a growth point of view. What are one or two key things that you find that the owners you work with need to kind of, for lack of a better term, master, get good at, to make that inflection, that jump from like level one to level two business? Mm-hmm. Well, from the the start of all interventions that I have with clients, I always start with vision. And it's interesting because I will speak to, to prospects and I will say, do you have a clear vision for growth for your business? And they will say, yeah, 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 I do. And then we'll begin working together and I take them through something that I call the Vision 20 process, which essentially is kind of deep diving and helping them to create a three-year actionable vision. And within usually about 30 minutes of us going through that process, it's a three and a half hour session. But usually within the first 30 minutes, they'll say, I really thought I had a vision, but actually going through this process has has demonstrated to me that I really didn't. Like I had a loose vision, but it, it had no clarity and it had no substance. And actually, once you get that part correct, so it's essentially about starting with the end in mind. And a lot of the time, what business owners do is they start with today. And they, they kind of go with the motion. So they, they work from day to day. And actually, they may even work from month to month. But you very rarely, I very rarely come across business owners who are really successful and who are growing very quickly, who have a long-term clear vision. And actually, once you get that in place and you start with the end in mind and work your way backwards, you will see often that the, the rate of growth accelerates substantially. And the reason is because rather than just doing things because that's what I do in the business, you start to do things in a much more strategic fashion. So we know that in three years, this is where we're trying to get to. And I I focus on three years because I think 10 years is great and you should have a 10 year and a five year vision. But it's so long into the future that you don't start to necessarily see the results and then people kind of get demotivated. Whereas if you start with three years you can start to see the results of you working towards that three years pretty much instantaneously. So if we start at that three-year point and work our way backwards and then focus on, well, what do we need to do in year one, year two, and year three, and we start doing that, we're making more strategic decisions. We're doing things that are going to move us quicker towards that three-year end point. 
And I found that to be really transformational for the business owners that I've worked with. And actually, I've gone into many businesses and we've put together this three-year vision and they've done it in a year, in two years, because now they have clarity. So having that clarity then goes back to our original discussion point. If you know that in three years time, you want to be traveling regularly, if you want to be doing less operationally within your business, if you want to be making a certain amount so you can do X, Y, and Z, then you know that you need to put those systems in place now, not in a year's time when we grow, not in two years time, not in 10 Mm. years time. We need to do it now because we're starting with a growth mindset and a, a business that can grow efficiently and effectively has to be systems reliant. It cannot be an individual reliant, but because business owners don't often look ahead in that level of detail, they think all of those things can come at some point later down the line. I'll, I'll get to that. I'll do that. And and actually what tends to happen is they don't get to it. They don't do it because they're getting pulled from pillar to post doing all of these different things. Whereas once you have that clarity, even when you are getting pulled from pillar to post, because business is business, right? From one week to the next, different things change. You've got different fires to fight. But if you have that plan of action that stipulates and dictates everything that you need to be doing, even when you're getting pulled around, you've got that central point to go back and say, well, I still need to finish these things. So it's about being much more intentional with how you grow your business to enable your business to flourish in the best way possible. Well, well, you know what I see about that too, Danielle, and I love the three-year window. I think that's, that's, that's psychologically, that's right. And those people can get their head wrapped around that thought. And also there's, there's these milestones of one year, two year along the way. So it's not like I have to wait 36 months to see what happens. Mm-hmm. But I, I see, uh, you know, we're recording this around the beginning of the new year and classic thing is New Year's resolutions, mm-hmm. right? So New Year's resolutions are usually is a reflection of your desire, but without a plan, most resolutions dissipate by, oh, about the second week in January. I mean, they're, they're gone, <laughs> right? Because there's no plan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a vision without a plan is just a wish, right? Mm-hmm. So like, and so if you said to somebody, I'm sure, I want to say, well, I want to be bigger. I want to make more money. I like to travel. That's great. But as you said, until you unpack that with some concrete, well, what does that look like a year mm-hmm. from now? What does that look like two years? What does that look like when you get to the third year? What will, what will it be? And, and, I, and I find that, uh, especially, uh, I tend to work mostly at companies in, in some services, but very industrial kind of, you know, very B2B focused. Mm-hmm. So if you have an accounting firm that reached like four million in, in in revenue, that's a good size accounting firm. It's hard for them to believe they could be a fifteen million dollar firm. Mm-hmm. They might say, "No, we'll grow ten percent or twenty percent year over year." When you do the math, it works out they'll go from four to five and a half in three years' time. But I love your question, like re- ca- casting it as vision, kind of gives them the freedom to think. Well, think bigger, like think like. Assume you had the resources, let's figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. And then freeing people up so they can actually apply whatever genius they had to get the business going. They're probably not even using that magic anymore because they're in the day-to-day. They're doing they're doing invoices or whatever yeah. they're doing, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So that that really sucks the life out of the, the joy out of the experience, right? So mm-hmm. so I did want to ask this question here. Um, and it's kind of it's a little kind of metaphysical or f- philosophical, but how important is it that an owner really enjoy their business? Like just get fun out of the doing. Maybe when it was started in the garage, it was a lot of fun and it was all things were possible. And now it's more of a grind. 
So I'm just curious, do you, do you deal with that end of it? Like just enjoy what you're doing? I believe me personally, if it's not fun, I, why am I doing it? <laughs> I don't understand why I'm going to be participating and putting lots of time and energy into something that doesn't bring me joy. Now, don't get me wrong. There's not all areas of business or of my business even that is going to be fun. Like, so sending out those invoices, it's fun because I know I'm going to get the money, but it's not fun <laughs> doing the administrative part. But that's also why I pay somebody else to do it for me because it's not fun. And actually, I think one of the, the phrases that I love, and I don't know if I say this right, I'm terrible with phrases, but if you're not enjoying something, you're not a tree, move. I don't know if that's, is that the no, That's good, I like it. I'll use it. <laughs> I don't know where I got it from, but I love it. And and I think a lot of the time in business, people will complain, oh, I'm not. And as you said, it was very exciting in the beginning. It was really fun in the beginning. And then they get kind of caught up in the, the operations and the boring stuff. And then they moan and they complain and they moan and they complain, but they don't do anything differently. They do the same things over and over again. And actually, if you want to get that level of fun back, it is really about vision and it's about, systemization because your vision is you thinking ahead and saying well what does fun look like in this business for me so if we go ahead in the future what would it be or what do I need to be doing in this business to make this fun again okay so how do I make that happen and if I have the right processes in place if we have the right systems in place if I have the right team in place to support me to give me back the time so that I can do the fun stuff and not doing the the boring rubbish stuff then now you can make that a reality and you can make it fun again. I personally love what I do. There's elements of it that I do not enjoy. So I, I work around it. I outsource. I have freelancers that I work with that do certain things. I automate bits that are boring and repetitive that I don't want to keep doing over and over again. And I focus on the bits that I love. And the last few bits that I'm doing at the moment that maybe are not necessarily filling me with the most joy, I'm just not going to be doing them anymore. And I know that I'm making that sound very flippant, but it really is. It is that simple. It's, it's your business. What is the benefit of running a business if you can't choose to do the things that you enjoy? And if you are not enjoying certain things, you can make the decision. It's not a job. You can choose to stop doing them and get somebody else to do them. Well, you said it. Well, it's not a job, right? Although I think for a lot of owners and I've seen I've worked with owners that have owned their business 20, 30 years and it's become a job. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why they stopped growing because there's no zeal. There's no, that X factor is long gone mm -hmm. or, or they settled into, well, you know, we're a commodity provider. We do, you know, we're a contract manufacturer, we're a law firm, whatever we do, what we do. And, you know, you make money and, you know, at the end of the day, we have to take care of our families. All those things are important, but I, I, I love the focus that you've brought on. You can outsource just about every function in a small business today, more so than, ever before, like in the history of ever, like it's just very <laughs> doable. So, but it does take some, some skill and it does take a little bit of trial and error. At least I have found that to be the case. Yeah. So what, what would be your advice for somebody saying, yeah, Daniela, I, I'm, 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 um, I'm smelling what you're cooking. I believe, I believe in what you're <laughs> telling me, but I want to know how do I safely outsource things to somebody who may not be in my country? who may mm -hmm. not, you know, who I find on an on Upwork or, or Fiverr or something like that. How do I go about thinking what I should outsource so I don't create a disaster? Because I have a friend who had a terrible experience and mm -hmm. uh, that wasn't good. So the approach that I take and I recommend that my clients take is first work out all of the things that you're doing in your business that you don't want to do 
anymore. <laughs> That's the first thing. Because actually, sometimes we're just doing things and going through the motions and saying this is not fun anymore. But we're not, we've not actually identified the exact tasks or category of tasks that we're doing that is really the, the one little bit or the two little bits that are making us miserable. And actually, if you remove those two bits, everything else is fine. So it's identifying those areas first. Once you've identified them, and if it's a category, for example, break down the individual smaller bits and then work out, OK, which part could I test first and foremost with a, a freelance or outsource support? That's not going to be hugely detrimental if it doesn't work out. So, for example, I've been using Fiverr quite a bit recently for some of the stuff that I need doing rather than putting my whole kind of trust in somebody random that I found on Fiverr to do all of my social media management. What I've done is said, well, actually, one of the bits that I don't want to do is I don't want to be editing videos. It's, it's not a productive use of my time. It's boring. I'm not particularly interested. So I've found a video that I'd already done and asked somebody on Fiverr, can you cut this up into smaller pieces and put some captions over it? Something very small. It cost me a very small, I think it was $24, very cheap. I can test it. So that I did it first. They did it. They did a great job. So then I sent them a few more. They did a great job. I sent them more. They continue to do a great job. So now I know I can trust them to do my video editing. So the project projects that I give them are getting bigger and bigger. I didn't just jump straight in and give them everything. Mm. I trialed and tested it. That, that's the first thing. I also believe in the power of recommendations. So if you know somebody else that's worked with an outsourced a company and outsourced freelance support ask for recommendations because if they've done it done something well for somebody else the chances are they're going to do something well for you but then also making sure that you're clear on how you want things to be done is really important so where I hear people often have nightmare issues with outsourced support is because they didn't have clarity in the first place of what they wanted the the support to do so they've just gone to them and said right do this, but they haven't broken it down how they want it to be done. And actually this works internally as well if you take on staff. So people take on staff, they give them the job title, they say that they want them to do these tasks, but they don't provide any sort of instruction of how they want it to be done. They don't give them the standard. There's no sort of kind of quality control taking place. And then when the staff or the outsource support don't do a good job or let them down, then it's... I'm never going to outsource again or I can't, this is right. why I can't delegate. So it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But actually, all you needed to do was sit and do some bullet points to say, this is what I do first, then I do this, then I do this. This is what success or this is what, what this looks like when it's done well. Can you match that? Well, it's interesting. And essentially... I'm sorry, go ahead. And I was going to say, that's essentially what I've done. So I, I have an assistant who is an outsourced assistant before we started I sat and said right I don't want to do all this admin stuff for example sending invoices so I need somebody else to do it I got uh, recommendations I I trialed it for a couple of weeks but I also behind the scenes sat down and said right I, I need her to do these invoices I need her to help with onboarding of the staff I need her to check my emails I need her to respond to emails but I know how I like things done I, I've got a bit of an issue around spelling mistakes I hate people making spelling mistakes so therefore one of the instructions when she started was you need to make sure that everything is spell checked before it is sent because I don't want to see spelling mistakes because it annoys me and actually people don't go into that level of detail because they expect people to come into their organization or work with them on an outsourced perspective and just read their mind people are not mind readers you need to give them instructions and if you give the right instructions which may be time consuming in the, the beginning 
But if you give them the right instructions in the beginning, and whether that's through checklists, whether that's through scripts, whether that's through standard operating uh, procedural documents, however you want to do it, if you give them that right information from the offset, they're going to do it right. As long as obviously you do due diligence and you're not hiring or contracting lunatics generally. <laughs> right, we try we try to avoid that. But you know, it's interesting <laughs> you mentioned that. It's like good relationship advice, right? Like, you know, I've, I've been married over 30 years and I told my wife, I'm, I really cannot read your mind. You need to tell me, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, but, you know, one thing a mentor told me a long time ago, he says, you, you, it, it, there's a big difference between delegation and abdication, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes people, when, when they get tired of a task, like they're exhausted by it, they find somebody who says they do it. Let's say video editing, for example, and say, okay, Here's my whole treasure trove of videos. Fix it. Mm-hmm. Person says, okay, I'm happy to get the gig. So they, they accept it, but it's actually so generic. There's no way to be successful with that. Mm-hmm. So there is a little bit of homework you're describing here about actually figuring out what those steps are that you want somebody to take over. Mm-hmm. Daniela, we could keep going on. This is great, great conversation. Uh, but I, I know one of the things you help people focus on is like really identifying those obstacles to growth. And I believe you have um, a free quiz you make available on that. So could you just tell us a little bit about that and how that might be helpful to somebody? Yeah, I think um, a lot of people in their businesses are wanting to grow and have aspirations for growth, but maybe have stagnated or not growing at the pace that they would like and don't necessarily know why. And maybe they think that they need support, but they because they don't even know what the problem is. They don't necessarily know where to start. So we've developed this free quiz, what's holding your business back from incredible growth, where it takes you through a series of questions. It's not very long. And once you've gone through those questions, it provides you with an answer based on your your responses of what's potentially holding your business back from achieving the growth that you're seeking. And based on the work that I've done working with hundreds of businesses over the last couple of years, I've identified that for many businesses, it's usually one of only a few different problems that is preventing them from achieving growth. And there's a customized video at the end that will walk you through your problem and how you can go about trying to resolve it. Oh, that's, that sounds fantastic. And Daniela, just as we come to our close on, on this conversation here, if somebody listening uh, to this wanted to know more about you, your work or that quiz, where should they go? You can go straight to my website, which is bethebossintl.com. And from there, you can access the quiz. You can have a look at my services. You can uh, access my social media accounts from there also. So everything that you need to know or want to know about me and the business is available to you on bethebossintl.com. Fantastic. Well, Daniela Ganas, thank you so much for spending time with us here on Business Growth on Purpose. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.